but I don't know why Get a I just podcast on YouTube. All right, Spotify. Did you start it? Hi, I'm Marilyn Klimek. I'm Nambuso Shawa. And I'm Stuart Lundberg. And we're here to talk to you today about a variety of things, up to and including the novel Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. So welcome to the Klimek Hour, and let's get started. In honor of Black History Month, we are going to be asking you trivia questions about American black history. The first question is, in what year was New Jersey the last northern state to abolish slavery? 1832, 1804, or 1865? So I'm going to say 1832. I'm going with A, but I can't remember. <laughs> that was 1832. So both of you are saying 1832. Yeah, I'm, I'm from um, on 1832. Oh, okay. God. 1804. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew New Jersey was that progressive? The next question is, what school district became the first in New Jersey to require African-American studies as a mandatory course for high schoolers to graduate? Newark. The three options are Cherry Hill, Jersey City, and Tenafly. Jersey City. Cherry Art. Cherry Hill. Oh, oh, Cherry Hill. I thought it was Cherry Arc. Okay. <laughs> I said Cherry Arc because of yours. Cherry. She got it. Our third and final question is who was the first black woman to set foot on the North Pole and on the South Pole? A, Viola Jones, B, Dorothy Aranda, or C, Barbara Hillary? Barbara Hillary. I'm going to go with Dorothy Aranda. The correct answer is Barbara Hillary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, today we're going to be discussing Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein. We read this earlier in um, AP Literature, which I happen to teach, and Busso and Stewart are students of mine. And I want to introduce the idea that Mary Shelley was such a visionary looking into the future 200 years pretty much where she was seeing that what we're dealing in terms of ethics with when life begins and when it ends is everything these days. Um, it comes into play with what the Supreme Court is considering right now. Um, Abortion, under, right? Yes. And then um, also, honestly, with COVID. You know, when we're looking at what life means and when, what kind of resources we should put into certain diseases, certain populations, that kind of thing. The ventilator shortage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Playing God mm -hmm. is essentially what we've kind of walked into without knowing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very dangerous situation for humanity to be in. I've seen a lot of that. Um, there was a man who didn't get the vaccine and they wouldn't give him a heart transplant unless he agreed to get the vaccine. And there's been like three cases like that that I've seen on the news. I think it's crazy. It is, but I think it's absolutely one of those things where if you care enough about the implant, mm. you know, going through that kind of surgery, you will get the vaccine, yeah. in my opinion. It's available, you should use it. Um, so I have a question. What about um, medical exemptions or religious reasons? Would you still believe that? Well, the whole idea behind herd immunity is that you're, you have a population, let's say I've got 30 people, right. okay? And 29 of us are vaccinated against measles, mumps, and rubella, MMR, which you got when you were really little, okay? Um, the one person who cannot get it for medical reasons has, is not going to be affected because the other 29 are going to keep that person from even coming into contact with measles, mumps, rubella. 
And I haven't followed the latest vaccine science, but are, have we reached herd immunity? No. No? Have any countries? Not to my knowledge, no. I know Israel's on a fourth dose, is that correct? Actually, there's a second booster in the United States for oh, people is. who are disabled, yeah. Like, not, so for example, my father, who is 83, and he would not even be eligible because he doesn't have any other outstanding medical conditions per se, or he does, but they're under control. Mm -hmm. That allow him to get yeah. the extra? No, that he, I don't think he would qualify mm -hmm. at this point because he's he's got a pacemaker, so that's being taken care mm -hmm. of, you know. If he had a heart that there wasn't a, a bad situation with his heart that wasn't being addressed medically, then he would probably be in line to get that second booster. I don't know what it's called, but at the start of the pandemic, Congress people, congressmen and congress congresswomen had access to the vaccine before even we did. Yeah. And do they have access to the fourth dose of the vaccine before the people, like you said, who qualify for that? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, not just not just congressional leaders, but also some celebrities. They had access to the vaccine yes. before? People that are higher up. Yeah, and people were asking about that because there were certain celebrity athletes and whatever getting the vaccine, and reporters were asking why, and they were just like, well, they have access to it, which I think is very wrong given the fact that there are so many populations that are at risk. Athletes, professional athletes, probably aren't as much at risk as like my 83-year-old dad was. Um, so it was one of those things where I felt like that was very un-American to give preference to people just because they were considered celebrities, considered better than other people. That's just not how, in my opinion, this country works. But yeah, so like with Frankenstein, you know, he can do this. The creator of the monster, Victor, he can make the monster. The big question is, should he? And maybe COVID isn't the thing that we need to look at. Maybe it's more like literally, when do we begin life? When do we end life? And how do we do it? So when you're looking at things such as um, fertility treatments, and I'm not down on that at all, but I think that, and, and even just regular conception means, people who are engaging in certain activities which will result in a pregnancy, they don't think about what's gonna happen once they have that child because once you have that kid, it doesn't go away. So Victor creates this monster, and one of the first things the monster does is exercise free will, and Victor doesn't like it, and he abandons it. Um, and I think that that, unfortunately, I see it here in my classroom way too often, where people just expect kids to more or less, I don't know, raise themselves, or they get tired of being parents, or you know, they're just not as engaged as maybe they could be. And granted, you do have the other extreme with the helicopter parents and whatnot, and almost like vicarious living through the child. To be honest with you, I, I think that when you're dealing with humanity, with life, with people, you really gotta think about everything before you go into a situation where you know you're gonna create life. And then if you decide to not deal with that, that's on you. It is not on the child. Most definitely. Yeah. Because we see that, like, even though his actions were not necessarily ideal to like, you know, people surrounding him, but the creature, like at the end, we read that all he wanted was love. Like all he wanted was family and companionship. And I think that's really important. Yeah, and one thing to note too is that the monster actually becomes quite educated. He's learning in French mm -hmm. while he's in Germany <laughs> and he's speaking to Victor in English. So um, 
it's kind of crazy because everybody thinks that this is this person or this thing that cannot communicate that speaks monosyllabically and nothing could be farther from the truth. And we see in that kind of a setup where if you do provide an environment for a child to thrive, to be educated in, to do what the DeLacy's did, one of the families in the novel, do for the monster unwittingly, but still do it, set a really good example, that kind of thing, then you know, you have to deal with that. I had that as a single parent. I mean, I was always on the lookout for, I was the person at home with them for the most part, and I knew that they were not just looking at what I was saying, but what I was doing. So for example, once my mom passed, and it was just dad and the kids and me, I had them over a lot, and my kids were always like, why, why, why is he here all the time? And I was like, do you ever think that maybe I'm setting an example for how you should be treating people, not just in the future, but also today? You know, when you're interacting with people and you're, because I am one of those parents who, my, I feel like my children have been very successful. But I would far prefer to hear that they are nice people who get along well with others and who do the right thing in most situations. We're not always going to do the right thing, but do the right thing in most situations to the point where I can say, okay, yeah, they're stand-up individuals. To me, that's the big thing. Of course, the learning, the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, all that is really important. But the biggest issue, I think, with that kind of scenario is people finding their passion. And I don't know if enough Stuart, you want to go into finance, and I think that's great. That's what you want to do, and you're doing it for the right reasons. But people who do things simply because it'll give them a certain lifestyle, I think there's too much of an emphasis on that in our culture overall. Because I think what you have to do is look at, okay, what can I do? Two things. One, where I can contribute to the world, of course. But two, where I really can satisfy this thing deep inside of me. I'm right now reading a book or I'm reading seven or eight books right now at the same time, and I'm all just like slowly progressing on them, which is probably not the best thing since you're an English teacher. Oh, there's worse things, trust me, yeah. (laughs) But one of them is called the success principles, and it says do what you want to do, what your passion is, what you enjoy doing rather than just the monetary. So if you enjoy being a writer, writing books, it probably, you know, if you're not one of the big top writers, you're not making as much money, but it's really about what's your passion in life? Why are you doing it? Yeah, I think you can cobble things together enough to um, make it work. And yeah, there are some situations where you can't, single mom, triplets, I could not go to Florida for vacation every spring break, but I didn't want to either. And I would gladly have, and did gladly give that up so that my kids could maybe do other things. I was just talking to some adults about this last week because when my kids were little, the girls, American Girl Dolls. I mean, we had Nellie, Samantha, Kaya, Elizabeth. I mean, we had all these American girl dolls. I mean, Molly. And it got to the point one Christmas where I know that Samantha and Nellie were dressed better than I was. Their wardrobes were incredible. Because you sacrificed. Yeah. For them to be happy. And to me, that was everything and I've talked to people who are like oh no I would much rather do you know a trip or something like that and I was just like yes trips are great I took trips with the kids definitely but I think that 
at some level when you're dealing with, obviously with kids, their needs are not our needs or wants. And what they need is not necessarily cable TV. They need a book. And they need a parent to read them that book. One night I was reading one of my kids, the Felicity book, and it's bedtime. And it was the chapter where grandfather dies. And I'm like, oh no. I'm reading this and I'm like, I think he's not going to make it to the end of the chapter and this child, I'm going to finish reading this chapter and put her to bed. I just played it straight. I was just like, okay. Okay, we're done. Now it's bedtime. And she was fine with that. My son went through a tsunami, hurricane, natural disaster phase. So a lot of the books that we read for him were horrifying. You know, the entire village gets wiped out by the big wave. Okay, it's bedtime. And that's how I played it. They don't care. They just want your engagement. And I think that's what I see a lot of, like, when I worked at a, a certain retail store, and I would see kids just clamoring for their parents' attention. And the parent is there, but they're not there. They're on their phone. Mm -hmm. They're talking to other people. And you would have a kid that was doing an activity in the store, and they're just dying for their parents to see it to notice it and you know some people just don't get that the show isn't on their phone it's literally happening right there in front of them and as a single mom of people who are 23 years old now I can tell you some nights I go to bed and I'm like I can't believe it's over I can't believe that this was a quarter century ago basically and that you know the people that I consider to be babies small children are now literally paying taxes, working independently, living independently, and it goes by. And I know it sounds cliche, but gosh, it does. It goes by so quick. You know, even like for you guys in high school, has this year gone by quickly? Very fast. Senior it's year? It's unbelievable. Like, it does sound cliche when people are like, it'll go by really fast, but it's like, it's flown by. And mainly that's because like, I'm only, I get here at 10.30 maybe, but like, it's gone by so fast. What about you, Stuart? Yeah, it's already February, and it yeah. feels like we just And we graduate being... in May or June? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And when you think about it, in August, you guys will be put into a completely different environment altogether again. You'll be freshmen all over again. And I think your freshman year goes by painfully slow, kind of like molasses in January. College, you blink, and it's, it's over. And you're just like, what happened yeah. here? Yeah. No. And I mean, I just, I just feel like... I'm not the richest person on the planet, but there's two things going in my favor. One, I've always enjoyed every job I've ever worked. And two, I have three children now who are people I can have a conversation with and who I'm proud of. And to be honest with you, like this gets me more than anything. When at Christmas or any kind of occasion when they get me something and it like appears as if they're really trying to take care of me, I don't say anything to them, but I am so tickled on the inside. I'm dying because that means that they're okay. They're okay people. I've done my job. And Victor didn't do his. <laughs> Victor Frankenstein was a horrible father. <laughs> but it's such a metaphor for parenting. You know, when you look at that novel, because he creates the monster, he abandons the monster. And then he walks away and he kind of does this washing his hands of the whole situation and thinks that he can separate himself from it. And I think very evidently the author Mary Shelley is telling us no you can never walk away because what survives Victor is the monster 
what is going to take care of his remains, his earthly remains, will be that monster. And, you know, when you've got that kind of a legacy, you know, what has this man left behind? Nothing but death and destruction. Everyone he knows and loves is gone, courtesy of a monster trying to get his attention. And, you know, like in class today when I was saying preschool education is just incredibly important, I think the biggest problem in America today is we don't put enough resources into the little guys because that's when they're absorbing. That's when they're getting, they're knowing whether or not, they're putting things together. They're trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit in this society? And if they get any sense that they're less than, it's going to carry on with them for the rest of their lives. And that can stick with somebody until the grave, and that's where we have issues. I mean, literally more resources in the preschools and far, you know, not less in prisons, but I'm saying that that issue is going to be taken care of. And, you know, as a teacher, I see it every day when I have kids in class and they feel valued and they know I'm taking it seriously. Um, you know, this time of year is funny as a teacher because you get people who are kind of like sometimes pushing the envelope a little bit. They try to see how far they can go and test you. And sometimes you have to pull back and say, no, I mean it. This is serious. And I'm investing my time in you. And I think that's what they see. I don't try to be a popular teacher. I think I kind of am. You are. You uh, are. Most, yeah. You are. But the biggest issue is I take them seriously. I take people seriously. And I take what I'm doing seriously. Um, I was telling somebody yesterday or last week, one of the administrators here, that you know every class I consider it, I'm being observed. And when you take things like that to that extreme or to that extent at least, I think kids take you seriously then too. And they want to do better, they want to work. And you know, part of that is just bringing what I am as a mom sometimes into the classroom, saying, okay, we're gonna do this and my, not disciplining you, but my sense of having you adhere to certain norms that we've all set is just like as a parent, I would adhere to certain norms that I had set for the kids. It's so much easier to vacuum yourself or to dust yourself or to have you know the trash taken out yourself. But if you have the child do it, if you stick to certain things, that sticks with them. And that's all I have to say today. I think that's really well. Like you saying, you're a popular teacher. I think, like, I think a few weeks ago she talked about you talked about um, like at our age we're able to like see people who like enjoy themselves, like enjoy doing what they do, and other people that don't. And I think that we really like being a teacher. I guess to me is like you know being able to teach, but also being able to love and show compassion. And I think that's really important because there's a lot of teachers that I've had. Like, even now sometimes I think, like, yeah, they want to teach, but do they want to really get to know their students, you know? And you really reflect that. Like, you love your students, and you also love teaching, and I think that's really cool. Thanks, Bruce. Uh Do we have a grammar tip of the day? Oh, grammar for the day, yes. Direct objects. I have no clue what those are. I have are. no clue what that is. No? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. This will be a history lesson. Oh, grammar. <laughs> I have water. Okay. I drink the water. I'm the subject, because what am I doing? Drinking. What am I drinking? Water. Object. The object receives the action. I'm doing the action. The object receives it. Wait, can you give us another example? Yeah. Can you give us another yeah. Got a pet? Yeah. Pet's name? Ellie. Ellie. Dog named Ellie. 
Okay. What what is Ellie? Dog. Dog. Yeah. Okay. So Ellie, I am Ellie's favorite human. I would say. No. Yes. Most definitely not. Okay. So, do you feed the dog? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes. You feed Ellie. Buso feeds Ellie. Buso's the subject because she's doing the feeding. And the dog's the object. She receives the feeding. Okay. Got it? Now, Ellie eats her food. Ellie's the subject there. And the food's the object. Yeah. Oh, okay. And what is Ellie doing? Eating. Eats. English, subject, predicate, object. Subject, predicate, object. Subject, predicate, object. Next week we can get into indirect objects. But okay, yeah. Right. For I this, miss the grammar test that we used to do. Like sophomore year, we used to take the. I loved those. Stuart didn't like <laughs> I loved those. If you're yeah. good at memorization, it'd be really fun for you. <laughs> and we used to play Jeopardy. I really like that. And we should play Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. We should play Jeopardy and AP Lit yeah, somehow. I don't know how I can we adapt don't have it to, to read we should just play Jeopardy with the book. Like, yeah. we can come up with questions. I got it. I'll tell you everything that happens while we play Jeopardy. <laughs> well, folks, thank you for listening to today's episode of the Climac Hour. If you want to drop us a review, whether, wherever you're listening, please do so. Make a it a positive one. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, and have a good day. See ya. Bye.